Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the March 2020 Weeks 3030. Today's topic is foreign imported goods and the circular economy, which really is going to talk about an effort for the European Commission and authorities to more carefully scrutinize imp goods imported into Europe. Next slide, please. So I'm Herbert Stryker, and I've given most of these. Next slide, please. So what is the circular economy? The circular economy is an economic system aimed at eliminating waste and the reuse of, of uh, materials. Uh, it's a circular system. It employ, employs reuse, sharing, repair, refurbishment, remanufacturing, and recycling to create a closed-loop system that minimizes the use of resources and the creation of waste, pollution, and carbon emissions. Next, uh, now, this closed loop is in contrast to what was traditionally uh, a linear economy, which, as you well know, is a take-make-dispose model of production. Uh, next slide, please. So what is the European Commission doing about trying to establish a circular economy in Europe? Well, quite a bit. In December 2015, the European Commission adopted their first circular economy action plan. It outlined 54 actions that would be taken or implemented by 2019 to promote the circular economy in the European Union. Most of these steps have had at least been implemented or have uh, started their implementation. And so it's a very, very aggressive uh, initiative by the Commission uh, that dedicate a lot of great deal, great deal of resources. Now, the, as part of this, there's the development of strategic approaches on chemicals and plastics. And I'm going to talk about one example, which is the EU strategy for plastics which has as a goal to ensure that all plastics in the European markets are reusable or recyclable by 2030. Very ambitious goal. Next up. Next slide. So as part of the single, uh, the plastic initiative, you may be aware of the single-use plastics direct directive that was finalized recently. This bans uh, single-use products made of plastic, cotton uh, bud sticks, cutlery, plates, drawers, stirrers, sticks for balloons, et cetera, cups, and other things. Uh, it uh, has measures to reduce the consumption of food containers and beverage cups made of plastic, requires a marking and labeling of certain products. Uh, it has targeted 25% uh, of recycled plastic and PET bottles uh, from 2025, 30% of all plastic bottles from, uh, bottles from 2030, and uh, it also extends producer responsibility schemes uh, to things like uh, cigarette butts or tobacco filters and fishing gear. So very, very ambitious, very, very far-reaching uh, directive that's come out of the, uh, the goal of ensuring that plastics become part of the circular economy in Europe. Uh, next slide, please. So there are similar initiatives uh, to ensure that chemicals and products you know, also enter in an effective way uh, the circular economy. Uh, so there's an action plan uh, for chemicals and products, uh, and that action plan actually has two cornerstones. The first is to ensure or enable recycling to improve the uptake of secondary raw materials, uh, to eliminate unnecessary burdens, and to facilitate uh, the movement of secondary raw materials between uh, member states in the European Union. The idea is if you facilitate recycling, uh, well, then you do move much more closely uh, to a circular economy where a product is produced 
and then is recycled and then reused. Uh, second major prong of this initiative is to uh, substitute chemicals of concern. Uh, and we've talked about chemicals of concern in the past. These are basically chemicals that are on the uh, European Chemical uh, Agency's uh, candidate list. They're carcinogens, mutagens, reproductive toxicants, persistent bioaccumulative chemicals, very persistent, very bioaccumulative chemicals, endocrine disruptors, and like substances. And uh, two months ago, I spoke about persistent mobile toxics. Well, these all fall into the rubric of chemicals of concern. A major part of this initiative is to basically force uh, the substitute of those chemicals out of products to reduce their presence, uh, to improve the ability to track these substances in products and in waste. Uh, next slide. So the overarching commission vision for chemicals and products is that materials should be safe, fit for purpose, and designed for durability, recyclability, and low environmental impact. Now, this is a very, very uh, ambitious objective, and it creates uh, you know, great opportunities, quite frankly. But it also uh, will uh, provides barriers uh, for certain kinds of products that don't meet the threshold of being safe and for purpose and designed for durability, recyclability, and low environmental impact. Uh, so again, uh, the, to the extent feasible, uh, products should be uh, produced, designed, produced, traded, and recycled free from substance of concern. Uh, and this is because uh, they, in a circular economy, such all products would be intended to be reused uh, and if they're eventually disposed of, it'll be in a way that does not adversely impact human health and the environment. Next slide, please. So there are a number of identified impediments to this overarching strategy. Uh, and the first issue is it is recognized, uh, at least by the European Commission, uh, and they issued a uh, uh, consultation document in 2018, end of 2018, uh, and it's recognized there are four issues, four problems uh, that are impediments uh, to implementation of this overall uh, uh, reuse recycle scheme for chemical products. The first is that information on the presence of substance of concern is not readily available to those companies that handle waste and prepare it for recycling. Uh, and so the Commission has launched a feasibility study, uh, the use of different information systems, innovating tracing technologies and strategies which could enable relevant information uh, to reach uh, recyclers about uh, substance of concern in the products that they recycle. So expect to see lots of uh, legislative proposals and initiatives coming out of the commission uh, with respect to uh, tracing technologies and similar kinds of requirements. Uh, now, parallel to this, uh, the commission has committed to develop working procedures to ensure that imported articles do not contain substances which are not authorized for use in the production of articles in Europe. Uh, and so I need to explain that. As you know, there's an authorization scheme in Europe, which is basically a permitting scheme uh, for uh, substances of very high concern. You have to establish that they can be used safely in Europe uh, to make things like articles. There is no prohibition at the moment if these uh, if articles that contain these same substances uh, are imported into Europe. So there's a disconnect between what you can do in Europe in terms of making articles and what you can do in terms of importing articles. 
And the primary concern is that imported articles are going to come in with these substances of concern uh, and create problems not only in terms of exposure to users, but also ultimately in terms of their ability to be recycled. Um, next slide. Uh, second issue that was an impediment uh, to uh, bringing chemical products into the circular economy is the problem of legacy substances. There are many chemicals, as you know, that are now being banned, restricted, or prohibited in Europe, uh, but there are many articles that still contain uh, those substances that were manufactured uh, before these bans or restrictions came into place. And so that's the legacy substance problem. Uh, that creates a problem, not only in terms of continuing exposure from these products to uh, consumers, uh, but also uh, the ability to recycle those products uh, in a safe way. Uh, and so legacy substance is a big issue, and you can expect to see from the commission legislation to deal with the problem of legacy substances. One thing that they're thinking about is actually toughening up or beefing up uh, the reach provisions with respect to recycling to ensure uh, that uh, legacy substances or substances of concern generally are not in products that are being recycled in Europe. Uh, next slide. Uh, the third one issue has to do with uh, end of waste rules. I need to sort of explain this. Uh, simply because Simply because you have you recycle the waste doesn't mean that waste now becomes a product. There are actually requirements in order for it to become a product. And two important ones, which I have bolded, uh, you know, are uh, that the substance or object that is recycled meets existing legislation and standards applicable to products of that type. The second kind of threshold criteria in order for something to no longer be considered waste is that the use of the substance or object will not lead to overall adver adverse environmental or human health impacts. And so if you think about it conceptually, um, if you're recycling something, let's say in Europe, uh, that contains substances of concern, and those substances of concern are not removed, and those substances of concern could, would not be allowed in new articles that are produced because of reach authorizations or restrictions, then in, at least technically, your recycling has not produced a product. What if you recycle is still a waste. And, and then that cold kicks in the entire regime for waste management. Uh, and so this is a huge issue. Um, right now, the rules on end of waste are not fully harmonized among the member states. Uh, and so it's not an active area of enforcement or investigation by the member states, at least yet. But it could be as Europe moves to a circular economy and the question as to what is being recycled and whether the material that's being recycled is safe for use becomes a, 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 bigger, a bigger issue that people uh, focus on. Uh, next slide. So, a fourth issue that's an impediment to bringing products into the circular economy uh, has to do with uh, when waste and chemicals are hazardous uh, and how that, how that applies in the context of uh, recycled materials. So let's take a case of flexible PVC waste, okay, uh, that contains additives. It's been reported in the literature in Europe 
that at least uh, flexible PVC, post-consumer waste, at least in Europe, can contain up to 20% uh, DHP phthalates. Uh, and, then, and when such waste is uh, recycled into Europe, it has to comply with reach restrictions. It's subject to authorization on the reach because there was authorizations in place for a DHP uh, in Europe, and it has to comply with reach and uh, CLP rules for hazardous mixtures in order to no longer be considered waste and be considered an actual recycled product. Um, and then you compare that with, let's say, uh, uh, PVC articles that are imported from outside Europe. Uh, they're not labeled because articles are not subject uh, to the CLP rules for labeling. They're not subject to authorization because authorization only applies to the manufacturer of articles and the placement of these articles on the market in Europe. And it doesn't apply to imported articles. Although theoretically, reach restrictions could apply to imported articles. There have been very few of those. Uh, and theoretically, there should be a restriction for imported articles that matches up one-to-one -one for every authorization that's in place in Europe. But that hasn't been the case. But perhaps in the future, that will become the case. So you can see a difference between imported articles and articles produced in Europe and the regulatory regimes uh, that are in place uh, to uh, regulate, manage those. Next slide. So why is the question of imported articles important? Because imported articles are a large fraction of the total flow of many types of products in the European Union. So there's no question that the, the, the overall scheme and strategy of moving uh, Europe to a circular economy where you can safely recycle goods uh, then reuse them uh, is, is uh, the turns on finding solutions to the imported article problem. Uh, and so the knowledge about the presence and content of chemicals concerned in these imported articles uh, and particularly uh, to allow recyclers to obtain the necessary information about what's in these imported articles in order to ensure that their recycling uh, produces a safe end-of-waste product is a critical concern uh, to the circular economy. Next slide, please. There was a 2018 Commission communication, which I mentioned, uh, and it's on the implementation of the circular economy uh, and options to address the interface between chemicals, products, and waste legislation, which is the topic that I've been discussing uh, for the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so. So basically, it identified a number of challenges. And there are two of them I want to talk about. The fourth challenge is to ensure that there's a level playing field between EU-produced and articles that are produced overseas, aka, AKA America, or elsewhere and imported into Europe. So there were two options that were identified to address this challenge. Uh, next slide, please. First option is to ensure the timely use of restrictions in reach and other product legislation so that EU-produced and imported products are subject to the same rules. And I briefly mentioned that, but let me go into that for a little bit more detail. So as I mentioned, so there is under reach the A in reach is authorization. Authorization is basically a uh, licensing scheme uh, which allows a company in Europe uh, to produce and place on the market uh, a substance of very high concern that's on the authorization list under Annex 14. Uh, 
if it's authorized, the company can not only produce the substance, uh, companies, downstream users can make mixtures from the substance, but also downstream users can use that substance to make articles in Europe. And that was an authorization. Authorizations are generally time limited. And in order to be a uh, secured authorization, you have to demonstrate that the use of that material, of that chemical, is safe. There is no such authorization scheme for imported articles. So you could have something where a substance is banned in Europe uh, from uh, being used to produce an article or uh, add articles with that exact same substance are coming into Europe. Right? The only way this could be, uh, articles be addressed is if there's a restriction, which is the not actually in the amphibium of reach, uh, but it is part of the scheme. So if there's a restriction, the restrictions are you know, complex things and they have to go through uh, extensive rulemaking, and even though theoretically there should be a one-to-one uh, relationship between authorizations and restrictions, uh, there isn't. And so uh, one of the options that the Commission is thinking about very seriously is to ensure <coughs> that there will be a one-to-one relationship between authorizations and restrictions and streamline, which of course required legislative proposals, streamline the entire process for issuing restrictions on imported articles. Second thing that the Commission communication uh, considered uh, very seriously is to finally do something about promoting enforcement of chemicals and products at the border. Um, And why? Uh, Well, I mean, because, uh, next slide, please. So, there was a public consultation which ended in the end of 2018. The report is issue, was issued, uh, I think, about just about a year ago, and uh, had very, very strong, uh, number, a large number of respondents, you know, from Europe. Uh, and there was strong support uh, to subjecting import products to the same rules that apply to EU-produced products, which basically means uh, that there'll be, you know, should be a restriction for imported articles that match up with every authorization of a chemical that is used in Europe to produce articles. Uh, and uh, again, that would require a change in legislative scheme in order to, to fast track these, uh, these uh, restriction regulations. Uh, and uh, so you can probably see legislative proposals on that in the next you know, number of years. Because the goal of circular economy is by 2030. And in order for the commission to meet that goal, it will have to put in place legislative proposals and ultimately legislation uh, well before the 2030 deadline. Um, it was believed by bo- uh, almost everyone that uh, responded uh, is that, uh, that this is justified by both the need to protect human health and the environment and also to level the playing field. Um, and then secondly, the stakeholders emphasized the importance of improving enforcement mainly at the customs level to ensure, to ensure the compliance of imported products. So obviously, if you think about it, uh, at least in theory, everything produced in Europe uh, should be registered right now if it's above one ton per, uh, per uh, manufacturer. Uh, and there's authorization schemes in place for things on Annex 14. Uh, there are various restrictions in place uh, but the only thing that, and you know, these manufacturers can be inspected 
at any time by the enforcement authorities in their countries. And the question is, what's going on with imported goods? And as a practical matter, particularly if the imported goods go to the consumer, the only place where compliance can be checked is at the border, right, at customs. Um, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, foreign uh, suppliers not subject to uh, enforcement penalties uh, in Europe. And so this whole question of compliance uh, at the border will only be effective if the, if the customs authorities scrutinize uh, various goods uh, and stop their entry. And that's the only way to sort of turn this thing around. And so there's been basically everyone in Europe, from NGOs to industry to, to academics to the uh, member state authorities, everyone has been calling for in the last number of years for increased enforcement at the border. Um, and now there's additional impetus for this to happen uh, because of this desire to move uh, to a, uh, a circular economy. So increased enforcement is certainly something that is, is on everyone's mind in Europe. Um, some are advocating that imported products be verified by independent non-industry entity, like certification uh, uh, third party, certifying third party. Uh, and many have pointed to the problems created by e-commerce uh, that may lead to an increase in the imported substance of concern in products and call for legal measures to ensure uh, the appropriate control of products that are purchased uh, by e-commerce on the web. And so a great deal of attention in this area, much more attention than I've seen uh, since the beginning of REACH. Uh, and again, now because it's all tied up with the circular economy, you can expect to see fair number of legislative proposals coming out of the commission in the next few years, and you need to be mindful because, quite frankly, even industry in Europe supports more stringent controls on imported goods. And uh, there will be very few voices that argue against this. Uh, you know, perhaps the trade missions, foreign country trade missions, uh, but it's going to be very, very important uh, to uh, develop appropriate advocacy uh, to support uh, the continued importation of goods uh, into Europe. Next slide, please. Uh, so, I already, I already sort of uh, spoke through most of this, but uh, as I said, you will see uh, restrictions. Um, and again, as I mentioned, nearly all NGOs, that's not surprising, but over 80 industry, 80% of Governments, businesses, and industries, and trade associations agreed with the following statement. And I'll read this to you because it's quite important. In the case of REACH, the REACH restrictions procedures are the only means to address differences in treatment between imported articles and EU-produced articles. Therefore, we propose to promote the timely use of the restriction procedure on the REACH and other product legislation so that EU-produced and imported products are subject to the same rules. That is a proposition statement that has the support of over 80% of governments, businesses, industries, and trade associations. Final thoughts. I think I gave you my final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> look forward to these legislative proposals. Proposal. Make sure your government fair people, the trade associations, are paying attention to this because this is going to impact, at the end of the day, your ability uh, to sell goods in Europe. If you were on the Tosca 3030 uh, a few minutes ago, James Motar talked about 
the use of uh, Section 5 snurs uh, for PFAS in articles, that's just, quite frankly, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what's in articles. Uh, and quite frankly, um, uh, this, there'll be a very strong effort uh, by Europe either to close their borders or to ensure that countries, let's say third, uh, countries in Asia, et cetera, adopt reach-like rules so there can be assurance in Europe uh, that what they receive in terms of imported articles will not create problems for the European consumers uh, and will not create problems at the end of the day in terms of recycling those products and allowing them to be reused in a closed-loop circular economy. So join us um, on March 18th for the next OSHA 3030. Uh, as we indicated uh, a few minutes ago, there's no April uh, Tosca 3030 uh, because of uh, Global Chem. We all want you to be there. We'll certainly be there. Next slide, please. Uh, and again, there's no April Reach 3030. Um, and so uh, we will have our next Reach 3030 on May 13th, uh, which I think is a Friday, isn't it? No, maybe not. I don't know. So on May 13th, and I don't know what the topic is yet, but uh, it'll be something. Take care, everybody. Thank you for participating. Bye-bye.